And welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. My name is Josh. Hey, you know it's Google over here. What's going on, folks? It's week one of the fantasy football season. We've been waiting for this week forever. Uh, and I think this week me and Dugo want to go ahead and dive into some of those wide receivers, those running backs, a few tight ends, shit, maybe even some quarterbacks that we like this week uh, going into the new season. So we hope you guys are ready for another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo and Dugo. You know what? I want to switch it up. Okay. I want to talk about our sleepers that we have first. Okay. I got some. I got a sleeper that I feel like not really many people are talking about. And honestly, he's only owned in 16% of leagues right now. The guy that I'm talking about is Curtis Samuel. The reason why I think that this guy's a sleeper, especially going into this week alone, is that the Washington Commanders are playing the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not sure if you know this about the Cardinals, folks, but they are struggling. Struggling mightily pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at a group that, you know, I would say is pretty much paper thin at almost every position, I'd say that the wide receiver three, who's probably going to be going against the least prepared out of all of the groups, is probably going to have a field day. This guy is probably faster than just about everyone on that defense alone, let alone you get him with someone who's a little bit inexperienced because you're going with a team who, I mean, they're pretty much just banking off their youth this year. And they're just hoping that people walk into the right plays. I don't know, man. Like, I just, I feel like, especially this week alone, I'm telling you guys, he's owning 16% of leagues right now. I would definitely go out and grab this guy. And you know what? If I don't have, like, the right matchup my first week, or if I have someone who might be dealing with an injury off rip, this guy might be one of those kids that I go out and snag right away. Mm Mm-hmm. I like the Commanders this week just in general. I think they're seven-point favorites against the Cardinals. So Vegas has them favored as being better than a touchdown uh, versus the Cardinals this week. And I like Curtis Samuel because he's a utility guy. He's one of those dudes who can go ahead and catch short passes, you know, uh, go ahead and catch an intermediate post route, maybe even get some touches out of the backfield. But another receiver that I really, really like out of Washington, and y'all heard me hype him up all offseason, the other jaw in the NFL, and that's uh, Jahan Dotson. Yeah, I don't know if Terry McLaurin's turf toe is going to be serious, and I don't know if he's going to have like a limited snap count, if he'll be a full go on Sunday. He seems like he was going to be a full go. Mm-hmm. Scary Terry, that is. With Jahan Dotson, I like him because he's not going to be getting that primary matchup. So even if Terry is in the game, he's a distraction. Facts. Jahan Dotson could go ahead, get single coverage, burn some guys. And as we mentioned in previous pods, Jahan Dotson's an explosive player. Uh, last year, he tied rookie receivers for total touchdowns. Uh, he tied with Green Bay Packers' Christian Watson uh, for seven total touchdowns, and Jahan only played in 10 or 11 games. Facts. So I'll, what about this guy for a sleeper this week? Zach Moss, running back for the Colts. Uh, I don't think Zach Moss is going to be playing. You don't think so? I don't believe so. I think they listed Deion Jackson as the starter for this week. Did you see something different? No, I mean, I haven't seen anything different. I saw that they listed Dion as the starter. I've just heard rumors that just because he's getting the start doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be getting the work share of the load so or the large share of the load. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things to where, like, shoot, dude, whenever I see Zach Moss out there, it seems like he's usually doing something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, like, it's one of those where, like, it's going to be one of those things where Steichen has said it's going to be a true running back by committee. And I feel like if there's going to be someone who runs, who just kind of walks himself into touchdowns, I feel like it's going to be someone like Zach Moss rather than Deion Jackson, if I want to put my money on it. You know, I actually do like Zach Zach Moss as a season-long sleeper. And I think a large part of that is because of the style of runner that he is. Right. So he's a bruiser, but over his career, he averages well over four yards a carry. So he's someone who can go out there, he can be efficient with his touches, he can fall forward. And in an offense that I project to run a lot, maybe top five in the NFL in terms of rush attempts. Uh, Zach Moss is the starting back who gets 10 to 12 touches a game, and he's falling forward for, you know, four or four and a half yards per carry. I mean, he's an easy 50 yards and a touchdown kind of player who could fit well into like a flex slot. And he's probably available in a lot of your leagues right now. Yeah, absolutely, man. I would say either him. Otherwise, I feel like Evan Hall might have a uh, an, <clears throat> an opportunity to pop off. I mean – it's one of those things where he's a rookie. No one really knows his stuff quite yet. There's no real film on him as far as playing NFL-level players. Can you, I, I feel like he could just walk into some receptions. So if you're in, like, a PPR league, 
I feel like this guy could probably be the guy for you. So, like, for our listeners out there who don't pay too much attention to, like, college football, yep. can you give us more insight into who Evan Hole is yeah, and so what he does? Yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't been listening throughout the summer, especially through the draft recap that we've had, uh, Evan Hall, he's a fifth-round running back. He came out of Northwestern, so plays a very pro-style offense. I'm not really sure what offense the Colts are really going to be running with, uh, you know, with Anthony like, Richardson. It's like RPO, maybe. Yeah, it's some sort of mesh, I feel like. So I feel like you're going to get some pro-style in there. But I feel like with Evan Hall's skill set and him being able to run the four four seven that he does run, it's one of those things where I feel like this guy has all the tools. Like I said, this guy coming out of Northwestern, he was a catch machine, it seemed like. It seemed like he was always getting dump-offs and doing shit with it. It was pretty impressive to watch. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things where, like, Northwestern wasn't very scary or anything like that. Like, I feel like every team was probably shitting on them. But at the end of the day, Evan Hall actually was able out be able to go there and make a name for himself yeah and a little bit more on evan hall and and, and like his physical features uh he's a 510 running back who weighs 209 but ran a 4440 seven. and evan hall actually has a 30 bmi which is considered ideal for running backs and uh you know he was somebody who had a great speed score there weren't a lot of elite speed scores you know this year but evan hall was amongst maybe like the top 10 and, yeah, he's somebody that I like a lot. I think he has value. This will yeah. definitely be a committee. It's one of those things, dude, like, when he was at the NFL Combine, I believe this was him at least, uh, every touch that he got, he took to the house. And so, like, that was just his mentality during the Combine and everything. And it was just, it was dank, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, he was just out there. He showed good tape. And he kind of showed, to me, he showed he had a little bit of that dog in him. Like, he just had that no back down attitude. So I feel like when the going gets tough for the Colts this year, I feel like Evan Hall might be one of those guys that they try to lean on to give him a little bit more juice. I think another guy who could get leaned on is Trevor Lawrence, who actually uh, plays on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's who the Colts will be playing this week. Uh, When it comes to the new-look Jaguars offense, they added Calvin Ridley. They added Tank Bigsby. There's Travis Etienne, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones. I mean, coming out of the gates – Let's start with Calvin Ridley. Uh, how do you think he does in game one versus the Colts? Uh, I think that he's going to eat, dude. I mean, one thing that I, I honestly, I'm not sure who exactly the Colts even have as their DBs anymore, but I know that they've lost Stefan Gilmore. Um, they did. Yep. And I mean, they haven't, at least to my knowledge, really picked up any notable names other like to really replace him or anything. So I feel like Calvin Ridley is going to go out there and absolutely eat this week. I think that we're going to see some replication of what he did back when he had a Falcon uniform on. Mm-hmm. It was crazy, dude. Like, he had some years where, I mean, we all saw it. We all talked about it. You know, some of us made money because of him. But he absolutely <laughs> yeah. ate. And so I feel like Calvin Ridley, you know, everyone talks about, oh, like, he has all these other targets that he has to worry about and everything. But when he was in Atlanta, he had pretty much the same situation, dude. Like, he always had some sort of receiving tight end, it seemed like. Among that, they also had Julio Jones. So, I mean, he knows how to work against the alphas and how to make sure that he gets his own work. So, when you're thinking about Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, bro, this guy's going to be eating, all right? Like, let this guy go. I think that Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk are going to be the two receivers you want to own out of this offense. I'd say so. And when it comes to Calvin Ridley, I'm not trying to go over the top because I know a lot of people have been calling him a wide receiver one. I don't see him as a wide receiver one this year in fantasy. I project Calvin Ridley to have 87 catches for 1,050 yards and seven touchdowns. That's a pretty good stat line, but that's not a top 10 wide receiver stat line. And so I think there is the possibility that Calvin Ridley could be great, but first game out of the gates, he hasn't played in a while. August snaps are different than September snaps. I'm not saying I'm not starting Calvin Ridley, but I wouldn't. What do you mean you're not starting Calvin Ridley? No, no, no. Ridley? I'm not saying that I wouldn't what do you not mean? start Calvin. Like, Calvin Ridley starting. But I think I would lower my expectations, and I wouldn't expect maybe wide receiver one output week one. Uh, I think he can go out there and he can get, you know, five catches, 70 yards. Hopefully he gets in the end zone. So if you play in a half PPR league, he's good for nine and a half to ten points. But, you know, I just think people should lower their expectations. And I think those who got Christian Kirk in the drafts should also be happy because I think they got another steal this year, Dugo. 
I no, think- I definitely think that Christian Kirk is going to be one of those guys that can really work. So not a lot of people Worker. know this, but like it's been pretty much noted that Christian Kirk is probably going to be working primarily out of the slot this year. And so I feel like the last time when he did that, at least to my remembrance, is when he was on the Cardinals. And I feel like it didn't really matter. Like if he played slot, the guy was able to absolutely eat. Dude, so he, I, yeah. I'm excited for him, dude. Like, I don't know if it's really going to be much of a drop-off for him. Uh, you could probably assume targets are going to drop off probably a tad. But, I mean, you know Doug Peterson likes his guys, so who he's going to go to whoever the hot hand is. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy actually making the decision. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to go with who he trusts. And, I mean, if you look at his output that he had with Christian Kirk, it, I mean, there's some sort of relationship there. There's a bond. There's, you know, there's a connection. So... I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt out Christian Kirk at all this year, man. I think he's definitely going to be one of those sleepers. I like Christian Kirk a lot. I don't think last year he had 130 targets, and I think he's going to lose some targets uh, to Calvin Ridley. Yeah. But even if he has, let's say, 105 targets, I want to say last year he caught 84 out of, like, 133. So it's like a 63% catch rate. Yep. If he catches 63% of, let's say, 105 targets, he's still good for north of 65 catches. He's a downfield guy, so he has a really great A dot. You're talking 13, 14, 15, you know, yards a catch. And Calvin, or I'm sorry, Christian Kirk could be someone who, you know, similar to like Brandon Cooks in his heyday, could go out there and get you big touchdowns when you need them. Uh, 30, 40, 50 yard touchdowns because he's getting single coverage and he's catching passes from a really good quarterback. Uh, you were telling me earlier this summer, I guess, about how much you like Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I fucking love that kid, dude. Do you still have him in your MVP? discussion yeah he had i think at the end of the year he's gonna be one of those cats that's gonna be a part of it Mm -hmm. i i don't know dude i've just watched this kid's story i feel like he has all the tools that are there for him it's the second year in this doug peterson scheme and it seems like he's absolutely flourishing it's it's amazing dude he's progressing the way i mean everyone obviously wanted him to be like this absolute dog you know being drafted first overall but then he was obviously under the Urban Meyer system, which was kind of crazy. But mm-hmm. then, you know, Doug Peterson came in. I feel like probably coached some bad habits back out of him. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know, dude. Like, to me, Trevor Lawrence w- was absolutely great last year. That wild card game, you can call it what it is. Interceptions happen. Not everything's on the quarterback, but he is the one who throws the ball. Mm-hmm. But I think that this year you're gonna see you're gonna see something kind of like Peyton Manning, to where like every year he just kind of got better and better and better. But I feel like Trevor Lawrence also is a super freak athlete. I mean, he's six six two thirty or something, and he can run if needed. Like he's not Peyton Manning back there. He's not a statue. Yeah. Like this guy, he can get you some points with his legs if needed. So I just feel like he's one of those cats. Like if you can get him in like the fifth round. I think that's an absolute steal. Fifth or sixth round for this guy is an absolute steal. How do you think Trevor Lawrence does game one against the Colts, performance-wise? I think he's probably going to go out there and score around 30 points. I feel like he's probably going to end the game with three touchdowns. 30 touchdowns? No, he's going to end the game with three (laughs) touchdowns. I would say probably around like 350 yards passing through the air. And let's sprinkle on like a 60 yards rushing. So 410 yards total. Wow. Okay. So you got him going out with a with a boom start. Yeah, start that's actually a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So. All right. Cool. I played Trevor Lawrence this week, so hopefully you're wrong. Oh, dude. I uh, I think against this defense, especially, it's gonna be crazy. I mean, one thing I will say about this Jaguars line is I feel like they got a little bit younger. They lost uh, their left tackle, and mm-hmm. they had added a new left tackle who is a rookie. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes, but it's uh. It's all exciting for the Jaguars this year. I think it's going to be amazing. Speaking of tackles and speaking of that draft class, uh, we got word that Teron Armstrong for the Dolphins uh, seems to be going through, you know, some injury shit. Okay. And that brings in a question to him. He's had a little bit more of a roller coaster, maybe experience in the NFL. Yes, he has. And I guess going into week one, if Teron Armstrong is not there, are you ranking Tua as a top 10 quarterback? If he potentially is scrambling and, you know, first game back in the league this year, he's getting pressured a lot. So I'm going to say the only thing that's holding uh, Tua back this year, I would say, is himself. I think that regardless of who is out there blocking for him, 
um, he's just going to have to get over the mental hurdle of, you know, just making sure that he's in the right position and uh, making sure that if he is falling, that, you know, he's getting himself uh, situated to brace himself. Uh, we saw that actually during the preseason. I'm not sure if you guys were watching those games or anything, but Tua, it was pretty sick. Like, he had thrown this, I think it was an interception or something. Like, he got pushed down, he got up, and I'm pretty sure he went and made the tackle. I'm not sure exactly. Really? Okay. Well, I'm not sure if that last part was true. I don't think it was an interception either. But he got hit, and he needs to get Yeah, hit. but, like, moral of the story is the guy got pushed on the ground kind of pretty similarly to what had happened to him when he first, like, hit his head really bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and that was, like, a huge story. And so, like, yeah, like, when he had fallen this time, like, he actually was able to roll the shoulder and it looked like all of his jiu-jitsu training and everything was actually coming to fruition and working. So I'm excited for the cat, man. I really am. I think that it, this is going to be a really good year for him. I think that just his presence in the pocket and understanding where the defenders are and understanding, uh, you know, like if he's getting, you know, like attacked from. So like you got to think this guy's a lefty. So his blind side is his, his right side. So he can, So if he can feel that pressure coming from his right, you know, it's going to make him all the much better to be able to roll out and everything like that. And this guy, you got to think, he's an athlete, guys. Like, let's not forget about how big of an athlete Tua is. So I'm excited for him. I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's probably a top 10 quarterback. Yeah, I like Tua overall this year. Oh, yeah. Uh, last year, I think he was second in the NFL in terms of, like, uh, yards per attempt. So he just threw the ball, like, deeper yeah. and completed deep passes at a really high rate. And I actually think he ended the season with the best QBR or one of the best QBRs in the NFL. Now, the reason I brought up the Teron Armstrong point was because this week they play the Chargers and they play uh, Joey Bosa. Yep. And Joey Bosa, prolific pass rusher. He's going to be on Tua's ass and he's going to have to get the ball out quick, which is something that Tua has been able to do. Uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are probably going to go ahead and uh, catch a large volume of those passes do go. Um, I guess going into the season, we know Tyreek Hill's the dog. Do you think Jalen Waddle can repeat what he did last year and finish as a top 10 receiver for fantasy? Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty close for him. I think that the only thing that, you know, is going to hold him back, I mean, is the sheer fact that if Tyreek Hill just goes on an absolute tear somehow and just eats more targets, but I don't necessarily see that happening. One thing that we saw last year is Tua just absolutely... You know, like, Tua was just not playing. Like, he was out. He was hurt. He was injured. And so, at the end of the day, like, he was playing with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater, who ended up getting hurt as well. And so, it was one of those things where, like, he was not playing with good quarterbacks. So, at the end of the day, I think that you got to think that he's going to get more receptions, more better targets. You know, maybe he's going to spread some defenders down the field more often. I don't know, man. At the end of the day, I think he's definitely going to be an absolute freak out there. Yeah, I agree. And Jalen Waddle's a yak monster, too. Him and Tyreek both are. So, you know, even if Tua does need to rush and get the ball out of their hands or out of his hands, he'll be able to, to get it into theirs. And they'll be able to go ahead and do work, you know, after the fact. Uh, I mentioned that, obviously, they play Justin Herbert that week. Herbert is a guy who just got in, you know, killing more. And, you know, Herbert and the Chargers look like they're ready to go and pass, you know, early and often. I drafted Keenan Allen this week, Dugo, in our home league. Got him in the third round. I feel really good about it. I think Keenan in this offense is going to go ahead and see north of 100 catches. Uh, I guess moving forward. Yo, who should I take right now? Whoa, whoa, what's happening? Should I take Jamar Chase? What What are you doing? What's happening? Bijan Robinson. Guys, right now I'm drafting. I got a draft going on right now. This is my first oh. round pick. Uh, just asking you for your, your opinion quick. I'm leading Jamar Chase. Um, but yeah, just wanted to ask your humble opinion quick. Between Jam- I got seven seconds. I'm going Jamar. Okay. I like Jamar in the PPR league. Makes sense. Yeah. Let's see what it is. Exact. It's, uh, yeah, but no, um, I like the chargers pass catchers. I heard Josh Palmer is going to be the wide receiver three moving forward, which is interesting for Quentin Johnston. Yeah. It's full peep full point. Okay. Quentin Johnston, Josh Palmer. Who would you prefer this year? Realistically, down the stretch, I'd probably say Quentin Johnston. I think that the first, like, two or so games, you'll probably see Josh Palmer kind of get faded out. But I think, you know, I feel like Josh is still going to be one of those guys you might want to just draft late and, 
you know, late in the draft, so you can at least hold on to some of that Chargers stock. Okay. I mean, like, dog, the Chargers, I think, are going to have a terrific year this year. I really do. Yeah. That's the offense you want some pieces of. And I think Josh Palmer is available in a lot of leagues still. He's somebody y'all should go pick up, even if he's on the end of your bench. Uh, he can end up serving value. He can end up serving value. And if you get him for free and he ends up as the wide receiver 40 and you play in a 12-team league, okay, cool. You got yourself a nice wide receiver four for free. Um, so, yeah, go scoop Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer. Palmer. And then let's go ahead and get into some of our favorite players for the week. Um, so we just talked about the Jags, the Chargers, and, you know, a few other high-powered offenses. Uh, we got the news today that Travis Kelsey is actually going to potentially – uh, be at risk for not playing Thursday. Uh, by the time you hear this, the Thursday night game may have happened. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. But do go in the case that, let's say, Travis Kelsey does miss time. Is there anybody on the Chiefs offense you really like? Yeah, I think Rasheed Rice is going to be one of those guys you're going to want to look into. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of that, I mean, Kadarius Tony's going to be at least be healthy to start the year, hopefully. So you would assume that he would probably get some sort of uh, target share and especially like some of those gadget plays that you would see Kelsey a part of. Mm-hmm. I think you'd probably see uh, Kadarius Tony a part of those. And, you know, if he's out, if uh, Kelsey is out, Jarek McKinnon also would also be. He also vultured so many t- touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. I'd probably put him in consideration for one of those just, you know, like fringe guys that I would throw out there as a starter just so I can get some of those uh, some of those targets. I would really like Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and the Chiefs running backs this week if Travis Kelsey doesn't play. Um, I think it would be just like Andy Reid to go ahead and do what everyone wouldn't expect him to do, which is run the ball and run the ball very well. And I think he could go out there, run Isaiah Pacheco, run CEH, uh, get some Jared McKinnon snaps out there. And his receiving options are going to be guys like Sky Moore, MVS, Justin Ross, Rasheed Rice, who's another good guy. Uh, But I think that, just truth be told, like, I know MVS is a deep ball catcher, but the rest of those guys aren't entirely explosive. And so I think it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk, and they're going to be running the ball. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to go out there and score a shit ton of points. What? But I like the running backs this week. And so if you can go pick up a CEH, an Isaiah Pacheco, who's probably not available. But shit, even a Jarek McKinnon. I like those guys moving forward for any time that Travis Kelsey potentially misses. Yeah, I actually ended up dropping uh, CEH. I think it was either today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but realistically, I don't I don't know if he's really going to get that much work, man. Like, I started thinking about it, and it just seems like they always want to go with the next guy. Like, last year, it was Isaiah Pacheco, and then this year, like, they have... Like, I'm not saying, like, go out and get the Eric Prince or anything. But, like, I could honestly see Daenerys Prince getting some sort of workload and, you know, CEH is being even more, like, faded out. Like, I just don't think anything's really invested in him anymore. Okay. So, let me ask you this. Patrick Mahomes right now is projected to finish as the QB1 this week. Now, he plays the Lions. Lamar Jackson plays the Texans. Between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, who plays the Texans? Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I'm Dude, I think Lamar Jackson's going to have a special year this year. I, I mean, do we don't have to recap our whole draft from this weekend or anything, but I ended up drafting motherfucker in the third round. Lamar! He's my boy. And uh, I'm just excited about him, man. I really think that with the upgrade in the offense that is going to be tailored towards him with the upgrade in weapons, and, you know, it just seems like all the vibes are just flowing over there. So it's just it's going to be exciting to see what happens, but all in all, man, I uh, I would say Lamar Jackson would probably be the one scoring more points. If Lamar got a thousand rushing yards this year and was able to hit three k passing yards, well, dude, I think it's an opportunity for him because it's going to be spread out. The offense yeah. is going to be more spread out, so yeah. it's like, oh shoot, I don't like this read. <laughs> Guess what? I'm going to run for thirty yards quick. You can make the case he runs less. But he gets more yards more per run runs, yeah. because the box isn't filled up. Right. right? The, the defense is spread sideline to sideline. And so Lamar Jackson, if he can get a thousand yards rushing, which he does every year. And if he can go out there and you utilize his a flowers, Odell Beckham, Nelson Aguilar, Isaiah likely to go out there and get, you know, 3000, 3200 yards like he had in 2019. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about potential MVP Lamar Jackson, which is a league winner and which work, would work out well for you. 
Yeah, dude, that's kind of the vibe I'm thinking of right now, man. Um, I'm excited for Lamar, though. Like, I appreciate you bringing him up. He is one of those cats that I think is going to kind of take the league by storm again this year. I feel like everyone's kind of been sleeping on him. Like, oh, like, he's been hurt and everything like that. I mean, you have every reason to not believe in him 100%, but I feel like at this point, like I, like I just got done saying, like, the upgrade in the offense, the weapons – the vibes, the trust back into the coaching staff and everything. I think it's just going to be one of those special things again this year. Now, what you failed to tell the audience, though. Oh, what did I do? Uh, you also got Zay Flowers, so you got the Ravens stack. Yeah, I did get that stack, guys. Sorry how, about that. How you feeling about Zay Flowers week one against the Texans? I'm feeling good, dude. I really am. I think that Zay Flowers is going to go out there, and I think he's going to get his first NFL touchdown this week, dog. You think week one? Yeah, I definitely think that it's going to be just – uh, one of those statement things that they want to just integrate this guy early and often, and mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be beautiful. Slot monster. For real, dog. Uh, all right, cool. And then Texans, CJ Stroud, Damian Pierce is another guy I think you drafted in our home league. Yeah, Damian Pierce is going to be one of those cat. I mean, I have a guy in Dynasty as well, so it's one of those things to where uh, I just have the utmost faith in him. I think Damian could have a really great year because he's going to get a lot more red zone opportunity. I just think naturally the C.J. Stroud-led offense is going to be better than what they had last year with uh, Davis Mills. And so Damian Pierce, who's a bruising running back who runs downhill, is going to be in on the goal line. He's going to be in in the red zone, and he's going to get a lot more opportunities at the, you know, at the end zone. And so, you know, even looking at what he did last year, he was still pretty impressive. Uh, Damian Pierce this year with a rookie quarterback, we're talking about they don't have the strongest of receiving weapons. Uh, he could be impressive. He could be really impressive. He ended last year as RB28 if you play in half PPR. And Quick I think, question for you. I think this year he could finish top 20. Uh, what's up, though? Josh Jacobs, Josh Allen, or Jalen Waddle? Tough. Um, I got to go Jacobs. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. I got to go Jacobs. I think he scores more points than Waddle. That's fair. I mean, I don't know exactly if he'll end up scoring more points, but I mean, just the sheer fact that I was able to take uh, Jamar Chase in the first round. Get yourself a running back. Yeah, I think it's just good to take that value for a running back right there. I still think he's going to be a top 10 running back. What if you got Lamar round four or something like that instead of Josh Allen? Right, right. Yeah, we'll see how it falls. We'll see how it falls. I mean, I also have just a little bit of an idea of taking Joe Burrow here in the third on the turn. Mm Mm-hmm. So we were talking earlier about draft strategy, and you mentioned how you really like to focus on running back early. I do. Uh, can you, like, I guess just tell me more about that? Like, why do you find running back to be so important, even in a day and age in which they pass the ball more than ever? So it just kind of depends on the leagues that you're in. So this league right now, we're talking about a full PPR. Uh, the league that we were drafting in uh, Sunday night, that was a half PPR. Uh, and you also have standard leagues, et cetera, et cetera. But... So why I typically always, uh, especially like if I'm towards the front of the draft, I like running backs more because they're usually those dual threat backs. They're usually going to be able to get me more catches. They're going to obviously be out there touching. Uh, you know, they're going to be getting the ball more. They're getting touches on the ground. It's it's a beautiful situation. So like if you're able to get your hands on an Eckler, a McCaffrey, you know, like all these cats that are going to be like the dual threat backs workhorses. It's just at the end of the day, when you can get a guy who's going to be getting 400 damn near touches throughout the season compared to a guy who might see, you know, if you're lucky 200 targets, it's just one of those things that where if you go volume, I want the volume. Dude, I've been preaching that shit recently because like, honest to God, running backs, they touch the ball maybe 300 times. So, like, earlier this offseason, I was talking about James Conner. And Sunday night when we were drafting with the boys, they were giving me shit. They were like, yo, James Conner's ass. He's on the Cardinals. They're tanking. Like, they're not going to do anything this, this year offensively. Well, I mean, that's just the case and point of what we've also preached is even on bad teams, there's going to be points acquired. Honestly. And it's just like, okay, cool. He's on a bad offense, but that bad offense still needs someone to touch the ball. Right. And so even if he gets 300 touches and... They're not high-efficient touches. At worst, getting James Conner in the fifth round, you might get a Damian Pierce-like, you know, uh, 2022 season. Facts. Where Pierce ended as RB28. I think Conner has more of a nose for the end zone. Uh, So I think he could score a few more touchdowns than what Pierce had last year, which was maybe only a handful. But Conner, I mean, you're talking about Kyler Murray's not there. 
I don't know how engaged Marquise Brown's going to be in terms of just his production load if you're catching passes from Clayton Toon and Josh Dobbs. Right. I think that offense is just going to run through Connor. And running backs just in general, even the worst of the worst, if they get touches, if they have volume, you know, they have status in fantasy. And so if you can go out there and you can get a Josh Jacobs and he gets 300 touches and he's really good at what he does, he's going to go out there and score you north of 300 points potentially. But Jalen Waddell, at his best, is probably going to get you maybe 250. Yo, there was a guy in my draft who took Calvin Ridley 212. That's early. That's extremely early, folks. Who do you take him ahead of? Well, I mean, so he had the he had the rap. So he had the first overall, took McCaffrey. So his, for his rap, he took uh, Calvin Ridley and then Devontae Smith. That's not a bad combo, though. I like that. Not a terrible combo, but it's just like, damn, dude, that's really early. It would have felt a lot better if he was a 3-1. McCaffrey? <laughs> McCaffrey, Ridley, and Devontae is kind of smooth, though. I like that. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. He's going to be seeing a lot of targets. Yeah. And especially, I mean, if you're talking full PPR, shoot. Hey, guess who else got McCaffrey? Who else got McCaffrey? Your boy. What? Who's my boy? Home league, baby. Got the second pick this year. We ended up with Christian McCaffrey. I feel great. I feel amazing. I feel ecstatic about it. Uh, ended the year with uh, Christian McCaffrey. You know, I ended the draft with Keenan Allen on my team. What? And I took Mr. Brees Hall in the second round, and I want to put it on paper. I want to stamp it. I want y'all to know that Brees Hall is going to be a dog this year. It just sucks that he's going to be splitting reps with Cook. He's going to be splitting reps, but even if you look at what he did last year, he averaged around 5.8 yards per carry, which is insane. He's a monster. He's an alien. Even Aaron Rodgers said that this guy just moves different. He doesn't move like most running backs. He said that this guy has elite speed. He could be an elite back. And he said the same thing about Garrett Wilson. And this could be the year in which Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson really come out and shine. I got my pick up. Oh, you got your pick up. Who's available? So we got Jalen Hurts, T. Higgins, Ramondre, ETN, Metcalf, Lamar, Gibbs, Burrow, Mixon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm probably going. You playing a 10 or a 12 team? 12. And when's your next pick? How many picks away? Uh, It would be. Shoot. That's a lot of math. Okay. It's, uh, it's probably kind of a far. Like 16. Okay. I'd maybe go get Hertz or Jackson. I was thinking. I was thinking Hertz. It's like I, I like dueling up on QBs, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, like it's just kind of a sucker. Yeah. I don't know. I like I like spreading out the love and especially, I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is going to have another terrific year. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I don't love is it is a different offensive coordinator. So the only reason why I think that Lamar Jackson getting a new offensive coordinator is good compared to, uh, you know, compared to Hurts is, you know, Hurts, he just had so much success with this last guy. So, like, that's the only thing that's given me a little bit of a hesitation. But I think Hurts is probably, when you look at the receiving weapons, it's probably the more dynamic duo. And it's probably the more pass-heavy offense, I'd say. So let's go Jalen Hurts. Okay. I like that. And you can never go wrong with taking a quarterback who has an elite offensive line right who has elite receivers and he's also elite rusher if he needs to as well so Mm -hmm. he'll at least be able to vulture some touchdowns i feel like so i'm excited for that i think it's i think it's a good pick yeah and so i guess the new oc in philadelphia is a guy named brian johnson yeah i think he was like their passing i think he was the eagles passing game coordinator from last year if i'm not mistaken yep exactly and so yeah passing coordinator He's been around football a lot. Apparently has a relationship with Jalen Hurts' dad, so he's close with the family. Hell yeah. Close, close with uh, Hurts, and I think Hurts is going to have success under this guy. Uh, so, man, this offense is going to be really interesting, and I think it might be a little bit different than what we expect and uh, what we saw last year in 2022. Right. Uh, but moving forward, love the Eagles. We talked about the Eagles a ton last week when we did our when we did our wrap-up. Yep. yep. Uh, I guess the main player that I really want to – talk more about and get i guess more of a solid take on is a guy who once again i drafted so sorry guys for talking about my team uh but darren waller really looks like he's in a great position this year dugo because yeah travis kelsey has an injury mark andrews just kind of you know got uh approved or is healthy after his right and then i think george kittle's dealing with something as far as like an adductor sprain or something like that yeah and so those are three of like the best tight ends in the game and Darren Waller up to now doesn't have any injury diagnosis and he's walking into a ton of targets yeah dude I I mean we've talked about him a little bit on the program before but I feel like with that trade to the Giants 
I mean, dude, like I look at this roster, and there's not really many people that I think can get more targets than him, and that's a lot being a tight end. Like I feel like he's really probably the most pure receiver on that team. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like when the going gets tough for Daniel Jones, it's Waller. When there's a scheme, uh, you know, when there's a play schemed up for someone, it's probably going to be for Waller. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're able to get him on the field a bunch, and when you're going to be running play action because you obviously have Saquon Barkley, it's just one of those plays. It's one of those targets. It's one of those cats where it's just going to be too easy to get that quick reception, get a first down, get the chains moving. Mm-hmm. You know Dabo wants to do that. He wants to make sure the offense is efficient. He'll take the chances when he needs to. I mean, you saw it with the Bills. You've saw you've seen it when he was coaching the Giants. Mm-hmm. But he likes to keep that consistent offense moving. And when you saw what the difference from the Bills team was compared to this Giants team, obviously the receiver core is nowhere near it, but they were really lacking a lot of tight end depth. Yep. And I think that going out and getting this guy is, you know, I it, it sparks the offense, in my opinion. It does. It adds a playmaker that they desperately kind of need it. Uh, when you look at Darren Waller, I mean, in 2019 and 2020, he finished with at least 1,100 yards each year. But after that, he got kind of, you know, uh, nicked up with injuries. And so with the Josh McDaniels offense, when he did play last year, the tight end, you know, Darren Waller only averaged about three catches, maybe 43 yards. Respectfully, the last two years prior, he averaged five catches and 60. So he averaged 20 less yards and a couple catches less. I think that going into this new regime, going to Brian Dayball, having a rap sheet and having, you know, a history of being productive in the league. Yep. They're going to use this guy the way he was used when he was productive. Right. They just paid a bag for him. So I think Darren Waller has all the opportunity in the world to be tight end one. In week one, he's being projected for about five catches, 60 yards. I feel like that kind of hits the nail right there on the head. I agree with that projection. And I think that uh, Darren Waller has the potential to finish as a top, I'll say top five, top six tight end uh, this week. Hell yeah. Yeah, I def- I think he's going to be up there for sure. Who are the Giants playing this week? Uh, this week they play the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Ooh. Sunday Night Football. Cowboys okay. and Dak Prescott come out to play. They added Brandon Cooks this year, Dugo. Are you still big into uh, C.D. Lamb, another guy you drafted in our home league? <laughs> yeah, I am big on C.D. this year. I feel like when you've ever seen the Packers off, or, I mean, if you've ever seen McCarthy, especially when McCarthy's playing, or when he's uh, calling the plays, he usually just likes to target the hell out of, uh, you know, his ex-wide receiver who is going to be C.D. Lamb. C.D.? C.D.'s nuts? No, I feel like he's going to have another top five year. I, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. So it's interesting, too, because the West Coast offense emphasizes like those short passes to somewhat replace the run. And I think that kind of explains why Dallas wasn't so urgent to go out and get a running back to compliment Pollard. But I guess by saying that, I'm kind of implying that I think the Cowboys are going to toss the ball up a lot. And I think CeeDee Lamb's going to naturally be the wide receiver one. So he's going to step into a lot of a lot of receptions. Now, another part of the West Coast offense is, you know, a lot of short and intermediate passes. But. When you get the opportunity, you like to toss it deep uh, once the defense kind of overcommits. And I also think that's where Brandon Cooks could stand to shine. Brandon Cooks coming into a Dak Prescott-led offense. Dak's probably the best quarterback he's had since, I don't know, maybe Drew Brees? I I think Dak's better than Jerry Goff. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I don't think that's a hot take or anything like that. I feel like that's very fair. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, when you look – I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like Dak is shown to be the more prolific passer. Um, was a good deep ball, too. He does. I think he, he has does. a stronger, stronger arm than Breeze did. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I like both those guys. I love Pollard this year. I think Pollard's going to catch a lot of, lot of receptions, and he's going to get a lot of opportunities on the ground. But I'm really interested to see what happens with that goal line back roll and who fills it. Um, I guess if you had to take a guess... Who would you... For the Cowboys? Yeah, like who's going to be their goal line back? I would assume it's going to have to be Pollard, unfortunately. So you think he's just a workhorse this year? Yeah, I, I feel like that's probably going to be kind of the vibe that you should assume from him, yeah. We've never seen that with the Mike McCarthy offense, so it's always two backs. Yeah, I would say you're not wrong with that, but right now I don't really know if I would trust the other two guys to be taking the most critical uh, carries away. I, I would say at some point it's just kind of a trust thing. It would be a trust thing, and until proven otherwise, I would probably say that 
I'd be going with my workhorse, the guy that I can swing it out to on swing passes mm-hmm. and do everything for me. Uh, my hot take this year is that the Cowboys signed Leonard Fournette uh, midseason. I mean, it wouldn't be a bad signing. They pretty much they need it. They I, they would need it. I think playoff Lenny could be in full effect and uh, could come out there and, uh, you know, steal some uh, goal line touches. How's your draft going, by the way? Good. It just came to my pick, um, and the guy before me took Aaron Jones. I was really hoping to take him. Gosh, that- uh, I think we might be going with uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the fourth. Woo! Let's go, D-Hop, baby. I'm thinking him or Pierce, but we're it's full PPR. I I mean, when you look at the tech, when you look at That's the Titans, tough. That's it's, hard. It's crazy. That's hard. I mean, there's also scary Terry, but I don't know. Damn, D-Hop or Damian Pierce. Where is your gut? I gut is you. pretty. I think gut would probably tell me D hop. I just when you're talking about receptions in a PPR, I feel like he's going to be peppered this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why he chose the Titans. Fair. Um, so I feel like that would probably be the gut move. I think I would go with D hop too. It Game. stinks, but yeah, like it. It feels a little dirty, but I feel like. When you're getting a guy who typically is drafted around like the second round, and you're able to get him in the fourth, yeah, I feel like you gotta you gotta kind of go for it. I know we talked about how running backs typically get more touches, and that's a lot of the reason why we enjoy like drafting them early, right? But with D Hop, I mean, you're talking about a guy who has the potential to finish as a top twelve receiver, facts, which would be a wide receiver one in your twelve man league. And so when you talk about Damian Pierce, I mean, yeah, he's gonna be good. But I do think in a half PPR league in which D-Hop is going to be a target monster for the Tennessee Titans, uh, yeah, I'm going to play to the rules, and I'm going to go ahead and take D-Hop. I'm going to take D-Hop. Yeah, I already took him. Yeah. I think that's a good play for you. Yeah, I'm looking at, like, 400 catches this year between my two uh, wide receivers and Jamar Chase and uh, DeAndre Hopkins, so I'm pretty excited. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening! All right, Josh, so we're talking about revamped offenses, and I would say one that's probably more revamped than ever before is probably the Saints. You know, like, I feel like with getting the new, uh, you know, obviously new quarterback, it's going to be one of those things to where, you know, like, when you have uh, Chris Olave, when you have even a fucking Mike Thomas, which, I mean, who the hell has talked about him in the last few years other than (laughs) just his injury problems? Yeah. You know, like, it's one of those... It's I don't know, man. Like I'm excited for this team for once, man. Like I usually hate the Saints and everything, but I do have a soft spot in my heart for someone like a Derek Carr. So end of the day, dude. Like I'm I'm excited about this team, and I'm definitely excited to see uh, if he's able to revamp this offense back into what it used to be. What are your thoughts on the Saints going into this week uh, facing the Titans? Who I mean, it seems like they have a lot of injuries, if I am not mistaken. Yeah, the Titans always have, like, an underrated defense. So, I want to say going into this game, like, if you guys play on Sleeper, the Titans are listed as, like, a red matchup um, for, like, receivers. And I don't know what D. Henny's projected for uh, this week against the Saints, but I don't know that this game is going to be super high scoring. I like the Saints this year. I think it's going to be explosive. I think Derek Carr is a major upgrade from Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston. And honestly, I think he has a ton of weapons in Kamara, Olave, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid. Juwan Johnson might be a top 10 tight end this year, and that's not really saying much. But I think Juwan Johnson could go out there and have a ton of explosive plays. The guy was a wide receiver turned tight end uh, when he got to the NFL. So he has wide receiver hands. And so I think this offense is going to look great. Uh, week one against the Titans, I think they're still going to be figuring things out, but I do think that they're going to pass maybe north of 25 to 30 times. I think they could easily end this game with 25 to 28 pass completions. Derek Carr ends as a top 15 quarterback. If you do six-point passing touchdowns, maybe even higher. Uh, but I really like a Jawan Johnson this week. I'm a little more skeptical about Michael Thomas. 
who hasn't played a ton of football these last two years do go? Yeah, I'm not really I, huge on Mike Thomas, dude. Like, I'm honestly avoiding him still. Like, it's one of those things, like, it's the fucking plague to me. Like, it's like in COVID, like, when you would, like, look at someone... And then, like, they would damn your sight to look at you, so you had to look away real quick and make sure your mask was up. Like, that's kind of what I get with the vibes with Michael Thomas, dude. Like, I just don't want it. At the end of the day, like, Michael Thomas is going to be one of those guys that it'll either be a hit or a miss. But if you've ever looked at the education that's in front of you, he hasn't been consistent the last, what, three years? So who's to say that it's going to work this time, you know? I'm not sure. So Michael Thomas played three games last year out of 17. He didn't play the year before, and he only played seven of 16 in 2020. So he just hasn't been available, man. And I don't – it's and, tough. I mean, like, sure, like, let's see what happens when they get Derek Carr in here, and hopefully it's a quarterback he actually wants to work with. But, dude, like, it's one of those things, like, at the end of the day, dude, like, you either want to work or you don't, and at this point, like I'd much rather put my bas or my eggs in the Chris Olave basket. I mean, you brought up Jawan Jennings or Jawan Johnson. I think that that's a pretty dang pickup if you can get them later in uh, drafts. I think Olave is going to end up leading this wide receiver group in receptions, targets, oh, yeah. and catches. Oh yeah. But I, if you're asking me if I'm playing Michael Thomas this week. If he's a full go, I think I am, maybe in my flex. Week one of 2022, I believe it was, last year, he was wide receiver eight. He had eight targets with five receptions, two touchdowns for 57 yards. Uh, he finished with 20 fantasy points if you play in half PPR league. So he was a top 10 wide receiver. And if he's out there and he's a full go and there's no lingering injuries, then I like him. And week one's the closest guarantee to that that you're going to get all season. Because he's coming in, you know, fresh off the preseason and, you know, they limit his work and all that kind of stuff. Right. So week one, if I have to play Michael Thomas, I think I'm doing it in my last flex spot if I have no better options. Like if I had a Jahan Dotson, I'm probably playing Jahan Dotson ahead of Michael Thomas. Uh, that could come back to bite me in the ass this time next week. But I think Jahan Dotson's explosive and I think Michael Thomas is always a question mark. All right, bro. We're back up on the draft order. Uh, not really sure where to go. So currently, uh, I pretty much got Jamar Hopkins, Mike Williams, Waller, and Jacobs. Do you think I should go with, uh, Isaiah Pacheco round out my running backs? Otherwise, Jerry Judy's available. We also have, uh, James Cook, who I'm kind of leaning towards as well. Uh, also think about, uh, Jordan Addison and Jahan Dotson. I'm kind of leaning towards too. Who are you thinking? Tough. It's probably, but it's probably between Judy and Jahan. I think Judy's going to miss a couple of weeks. Right. Who are your wide receivers again? Uh, so currently got Mike Williams, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Jamar Chase. And you only have to start three or you can only start up to three receivers. Uh, we have four flex spot or we have two flex spots. Judy has the most upside out of all those guys. I think I'm going to go Javante Williams. Okay. Why? Running back. Touches? Just get the running back, folks. It's one of those things where you don't have to make it. I don't know, dude. Like, at the end of the day, like, I feel like I'm still going to get value on my next pick. So, it's going to be the eighth round, 93rd overall. Um, I could be looking towards a Zay Flowers, uh, Gabe Davis, uh, Quentin Johnston, you could also uh, reach and grab an Odell. Otherwise, you know, like, you could also try to get a third running back, too. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I mean, I could reach, grab Sutton, who is supposed to go around the 10th. Sutton's a scoop. That could be a scoop. I mean, you just said that Judy's going to be dealing with injury. And so, I just, it, that's just one thing that I don't fuck with, especially to start the season. Players are, who are already injured. Yeah, dude. Like, it's already a grueling season to begin with. Yep. And so, if I'm taking someone who's already going to be missing time, I feel like I'm pretty much just... There's no there's uh, no upside there. I mean, no. yeah, they can come in and be good later, but you need to get to later. You need yeah, to win Yeah, I'm pretty much just handicuffing myself at that point. I don't yeah. fuck with that. So, I, I feel you on maybe waiting on Judy and getting sudden later in the, later in the rounds. I like that. Yeah. Uh, sudden somebody that I think is actually going to be pretty damn good this year. I have Sudden ranked in my top 30 wide receivers going into the season. And when I look at the Denver Broncos offense, it is going to look a little different. They get the Raiders out the gate. 
who's been a team that's been kind of shitty on defense uh, for as long as I can remember. And I think Sutton could go out there week one against the Raiders, get just get him, you know, five catches, 70 yards, and a tud. Yeah. Do you have any reservations on taking uh, people that are on the same team in that situation, like a Javante Williams running back and a Carton Sutton as a wide receiver? Um, Not really, because I think at that point they're both fighting for my flex, so I'm just playing whoever gets me the most points. I'm not really relying on playing them both at the same time often. Interesting. I mean, right now, as it would be sitting, Javante Williams would be my starting uh, running if back. One of my starting running backs. If he's your RB2, I'm maybe a little bit more hesitant about a Cortland Sutton, but based off of my That's fair. like my personal projections and shit, like I'd, I'd go get him. Like, fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, I don't love the fact that allegedly there's uh, reports of Javante being on a pitch count. So that's not great, but you'd still think that they would have them there in, uh, you know, reasonable situations to score points. And that's a good time to draft a sleeper running back. Yeah, seventh round. I like it. I Which like it. I kind of want to get to actually this week. Uh, we're going into week one, Dugo. We got a lot of matchups. Uh, Packers versus Bears this week. We got we talked about the Jags versus the Colts. Detroit versus KC to open up the uh, season on Thursday night. Yup. When I'm looking at sleeper backs and when I'm looking at backs who maybe are not getting a lot of attention week one, but I think they could pop off, my eyes kind of gravitate towards Alexander Madison against the Buccaneers. Really? Why is that? I like Alexander Madison this season as a RB1. This is going to be his, you know, like the first few weeks are going to be prove it weeks. And so he's going to be projected for not many points, but I think he's going to outperform his projections most of the first month. And I could see this guy getting the ball. He's going to definitely score a touchdown. Probably gets at least 60 to 70 yards. That alone in a standard league is going to get you 13 points. Okay. If he adds in a couple of catches that go for 15, 20 yards, and you're talking about an extra three to four. Um, and Alexander Madison could end this week with 16, 17 points on the board. And they're projecting that he finishes at the RB 23. But last time I checked, if you got 17 points as a running back, you're finishing at least top top 15. So I like Alexander Madison a lot this week with the Vikings playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I guess, are there any running backs that you're looking forward to that maybe aren't getting a lot of hype? I guess one guy in particular that I feel like just always gets a little bit slept on is Nick Chubb. So this week they're playing the Bengals who, I mean, they have a pretty good defense and everything. Don't get me wrong. But I just feel like this year it's going to be pretty much Chubb's game in that backfield with them losing Kareem Hunt and everything. So, at the end of the day, I feel like I'm going to see Nick Chubb probably go for a larger larger workload than what we've seen in the past. So, I, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like Nick Chubb this year, uh, one of those guys that I think you could see a little bit more work, uh, you know, work from than what we're used to seeing. Yeah. And it's funny because he's a first-round pick, but he's still kind of a slept-on first-round pick. Yeah. Like, people don't really, like, talk about him that much, but I do think he has a clear pathway to overall RB1 status this year. You talk about adding a Deshaun Watson. Uh, they added Elijah Moore as a perimeter weapon. They're going to be stretching the ball further down the field, which is going to open up the box for Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb is a perennial five-yard per carry guy. So you talk about getting more open boxes. I think last year Chubb scored over 15 touchdowns. No Kareem Hunt either, and he has the first or second best line in football. Yup. And I'm sorry, he only scored 13 touchdowns last year, but that's still a lot. Yeah, Chubb has a pretty clear pathway to RB1 status. Yeah. First week you play Cincinnati. Cincinnati's pretty cake, pretty easy against the run. And uh, I could see Cleveland going into this game and, you know, maybe trying to uh, take advantage of that. Kevin Stefanski's a smart guy. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Cincinnati-Cleveland, the Battle of Ohio. I like Jamar Chase in that game against the Browns. I like Nick Chubb a lot in that game, uh, you know, going against the Bengals. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson has been a question mark. I have no idea what to expect with that dude. I mean, I would assume that Watson's going to come out, and I would just, I, I hope he comes back to regular fashion. As much as you want to talk about the stuff that he had going off or going off the field, it's one of those things that he was a great talent, or he is a great talent, and so I would like to see him at least be able to, shed that on the world and be able to show that he isn't just a piece of shit. I think the biggest thing that concerns me is that he had one of the longest times to throw last year behind that amazing offensive line. Right. I think he averaged like 3.2, 3.3 seconds, and he still struggled, which means he's just not reading the field well or completing passes. Right. 
and that could be a couple different things. I mean, last year, outside of Amari Cooper, they didn't really have much for targets. Yeah, he but, also missed the offseason program last year. Right, right. And so, okay, he's going into a season in which he has the offseason. He has training camp. He had a ton of practice reps with the new squad. He kind of got to reset the season. Can he be better? And I guess that's kind of the question mark that's left. A lot of people struck. First week going into a game against Joe Burrow, if I had to flip a coin, I think he could be good. He could be bad. But I'm, my gut tells me he's probably going to be he's probably going to be not great. That's what my gut tells me. I have no 100% consensus thoughts on what Deshaun Watson's going to do for you this week. But if I have another option, if I have a Dak Prescott, a Kirk Cousins, I may be sitting Deshaun Watson week one just to kind of see what he goes out there and does. I know that he could have a special week and go up for 30, 40 points against, you know, Joe Burrow in a shootout. But then he could also just not be efficient. He wasn't great. His on-target percentage last year was as he could go out there and dink and dunk and Nick Chubb runs the track and they somehow stay in the game until the third quarter and then Burrow and the Bengals take over. Yeah, no, I feel like that's fair. I feel like at the end of the day, I mean, I feel like you said it when you said that he didn't have an off-season program, all this other stuff. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that we should hit on, man. Like, I feel like going into this year, I feel like he's going to be a lot more prepared. He's going to have chemistry with these guys. He's going to actually be able to work with these guys and not them have, you know, their reserves on this guy being, like I said before, possibly a piece of shit. So it's one of those things, man. I just feel like he's going to come into the season a lot more prepared and ready. And, I mean, he you're not wrong. He didn't do great last year. He also looks very out of shape, and compared to this year, it looks like he's at least ready to play ball. I'd hope so. And I guess ready to play ball is – I think he's going to come in this year with in better shape than he did last year. I think when you define ready to play ball, I think he's going to have a better understanding of the playbook, and he's going to have a better understanding of his teammates and you know what people can and can't do. And naturally, I think he's going to progress, and he's going to be better than he was last year. Uh, do I have him as a top-ten quarterback? I haven't borderline that because of the rushing upside. He would be back in top 10 for me if I had to, you know, uh, throw a dart. But he's someone that I'd probably want to wait and see. And when it comes to the Browns outside of Amari Cooper, if you can sit an Elijah Moore, if you can sit a Deshaun Watson, I would do it. Nick Chubb's a full go. Amari Cooper's a full go. David Njoku, because tight end is so shallow, is a full go. But guys like Deshaun and Elijah... I think, I don't know. There's 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 more question marks around that. I feel um, that. So just so you guys are keeping track back home, I just made my eighth round selection. Uh, I went and had made the executive decision and took Rashad White. Oh, wait. Who were your other options? Um, So other options, Zay Flowers, who... He's still he still could be available for me on the turn on or during the ninth round. Um, otherwise, also was thinking uh, Rashad Penny as far as another running back to throw into my stable. Uh, otherwise, if <clears throat> unfortunately if Zay's gone, I might be looking towards. Uh, so Zay just went off the board. I'm probably gonna be looking towards Cortland Sutton here on the turn on the nine four. I think that's pretty decent value for if him. If you can get Sutton after Rashad White, I like that a lot. I yeah. like that a lot, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this, dude, this is going to be a dang team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, shit. I feel like we talked about a lot of players this week. Um, I guess you kind of gave your sleepers at the top of the pot. Yep. Yep. And you want to hit with a couple years? Okay. Could you give us a reminder of who those sleepers were? Just circle back and listen to it again, folks. Oh, shit, Circle dude. back and do it again, folks. I want to say it was Zach Moss and someone else. I have a bad memory. But my sleeper this week... Somebody who could go out there and get you some Curtis points. Samuel. Curtis, oh, yeah, Curtis Samuel yep, is it, yep. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know if he counts as a sleeper. Fuck it. I'm going to say Jawan Johnson. Jawan Johnson. I think Jawan Johnson could go out there for a tight end sleeper. I think he's projected to be outside of the top 10 tight ends this week. I think he goes out there. He has a great game. I'm thinking he goes for five catches, 65, 70 yards, and I think there's a good chance he gets a touchdown. So okay. for, for a tight end and a half PPR league, I think he can go for 15 points, 13 to 15 what? points. Big week one. Big maybe week maybe one. I'd say like 12 to 15. Big week one. But I think he has a big week this week. He catches a tud from Derek Carr. 
They don't have Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I think he goes out there and he, uh, he, he, he cooks a little bit. Okay, we like people who cook. We like cookers. And then my last sleeper, I'm going to just go ahead and give you all an extra one. But my very last sleeper of the day is going to go ahead and be Raheem Mostert. I like that a lot, honestly. Raheem Mostert's going to go ahead and probably lead this backfield this week. He's going to be the default RB1. We'll see what happens with Devon A. Chain. But Raheem Mostert's someone that, that is going, I think he's projected as the RB31 this week. What? He could fall into the end zone. He could make a big play happen. When he's able-bodied and when he's available, he goes out there and he cooks. And, you know, I think he sees at least 65% snap share this week, which could give him a lot of opportunity, allow him to take maybe north of 13 to 14 carries. And with that explosion that he has, even at, you know, the ripe old age of 31, uh, I think Raheem Oster could go out there, rip a couple of big runs, and end the day with maybe like 14 carries, over 65 yards, and, you know, hopefully he gets that touchdown to kind of take him over the edge. But he's someone that I think, uh, you know, could go for double-digit points this week. And I like him a lot. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, that's all I got for this week, Dugo. I know you're about to finish up your draft. Can you tell us what's going on with your last pick? Uh, so, yeah. So, just had my turn. Uh, went ahead and I did take Cortland Sutton. Uh, otherwise, I mean, I had a couple other options. Uh, I mean, Michael Thomas is still available. Kadarius Tony, Gabe Davis, Quentin Johnston. The list can go on and on, but overall, I like Gabe Davis is here. I like Gabe Davis as well. Don't get me wrong, but I just feel like with the injury to uh, Judy to start the season, I just think that Cortland Sutton's going to be that guy. We've talked about him possibly being the, you know, the uh, I forgot what they call it, but you know, basically like the second coming of Michael Thomas. And what he was able to replicate down in New Orleans with a uh, head coach that may have been the same person. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that getting Cortland Sutton right there is uh, sicko mode. He's my fourth wide receiver, so that's sick. I like Gabe Davis in week one, too, actually. I think he's going to get DJ Reed on the Jets. Hell yeah, dude. DB2, and I think Reed runs like a 4-5-140. What? Dude, you just shouted him out, and you just said he a bitch. Hey, bro. Bro, Pac-Man Jones runs a 4-5-140. And you know what? Gabe Davis actually isn't much faster. I actually think Gabe ran a 4-5-4-2. Oh, shit. Or maybe, which might be worse than uh, Jay or uh, so you you're, you're So you're telling me that he's going to be keeping up with them? Keeping up with them, yeah. I think Davis goes over the top and he catches at least one deep ball from Josh Allen in the offense. Fair enough. So I think Gabe Davis could be a good boomer bust option for you this week. I think That's fair. It could I be feel a like, booms. I feel like PPR though. If we're talking full PPR, I feel like Cortland Sutton gets the uh, gets the over on him the full season though. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, easy, easy. I think uh, Gabe Davis loses some passes from loses some passes to Dalton Kincaid. Yeah, but he could be more efficient with what he does get. So well, and one thing that I mean, I know we're gonna try to close this down pretty soon, but. I know one person that last year I was kind of underwhelmed with, and that was, uh, what the heck? Why am I, I just had his name on the top of my tongue. Um, bear with me, folks. I really apologize. But uh, Dawson Knox, I was pretty underwhelmed by him last year. I mean, compared to his performance the year before. Uh, so last year he ended as uh, tight end 14. He had 48 catches, six touchdowns, which is dank. But mm -hmm. compared to the year before, I mean, he had 49 catches with nine touchdowns. He also had six more targets. I mean, obviously, that's not much of a difference, but I just feel like Dawson Knox. I mean, obviously, with uh, Kincaid being in the room, you can't think of him being as too much. Yeah. But if you are able to take this guy at like the end of the draft, like the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th rounds, like, I feel like it's pretty much one of those shots in the dark to where, like, if you need a fill-in for uh, a flex, a tight end, you got your guy right there. I think that's fair. I think that's that's a fair point to be made. I don't know. Like, it could be speaking it out of existence. I mean, I think uh, Kincaid's going to have a hell of a year as well. Don't get me wrong. Dawson Knox is going to, like, just kind of like i don't fall think his way into the end zone somehow. yeah i just don't think that he's just going to be going away like that like i feel like he's going to be in the game i feel like he's going to be there yeah speaking of and kind of a 
last minute question, I guess. Stop, bro. Uh, are you starting or sitting Aaron Rodgers in week one versus the Bills defense? You know, right now, so for your for the folks at home, I have this guy in my dynasty team currently starting, I believe. Okay. I don't know if he's going to be moving out of that spot. You're starting him. I don't know if he's going to be moving out of that spot. I mean, there's one thing that I know, and is that the Bills defense, yes, it's good, but they're missing Von Miller, and that defensive back room is pretty sus, if you ask me. And but, so I feel like it could lead to Rodgers kind of dissecting them and uh, taking advantage of it. Aaron Rodgers versus the Bills, or would you rather start Anthony Richardson versus the Jaguars? Rodgers versus Bills. Okay. We'll revisit it next week, I guess. Well, guess we will. I mean, like, one thing that comes to mind is obviously the rushing yards for Richardson could become ridiculous, but I just feel like the Jags have too many, you know, just talents out there. I mean, they have Trayvon Walker. They have so many other people that could just make a complete impact right away. So mm-hmm. I think it would be a pretty close comparison. Right, right. I believe so as well. Yeah. But, hey, we appreciate you all for tapping in to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Uh, but until we meet again, my name is Shaw. Hey, it's Dugo. Appreciate y'all tapping in with those head tops. Hey. Watching the sun bake.